I know where that song is. We can we can play that song. If we can play that song. Um, ladies and gentlemen, hey, it's Sunday afternoon. It's 3 p.m. You're listening to Bad Daddyville. Hold on a second, Stella. Uh, I actually didn't have anything ready for our book club today, but it is Benedict Small Town Adventures. Yeah. Uh, you're listening to KPCA here in downtown Pennsylvania. Stella Benedetti. And that's Stella Benedetti on the mic. I'm Gio Benedetti on the mic, and we are very pleased to be bringing you a show Why this week. Why do you say your name every time? Imagine, if you will, Stella Jean, that today is the first time that somebody has discovered our show. And they're saying, whose voices are these? Who are these people I'm listening to? This is crazy. Why don't they identify themselves? Uh, why do we identify ourselves? Well, that's why, in case somebody's tuning in for the very, very first time ever. What uh, if it's someone who doesn't know what our names are? Because they've been listening for all 30 Maybe, something, something. Maybe somebody's been listening since February, but they forget every week. Like, who is that guy? It's Jim. Jim, no, George. Oh, Gio, that's right. Because I say my name every time. Uh, hey, Stella, I have a pop quiz for you. Ooh, I like pop quizzes. Yeah, perfect. Then uh, here's the quiz. The quiz goes like this. Stella Jean, who has your dad been trying to be for the last bunch of weeks? Well, there's two. Yes. This is, okay, first first part of the quiz. Pass, 100%. Shell Silverstein. Absolutely right. Ding, 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 ding. Slash. Rosal. Ding, 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 ding. Slash. Quentin Blake. That's <laughs> <laughs> true, but nobody can see illustrations on the radio, so yeah. the Quentin Blake part is going to have to wait. But I have to post them up. That's on. actually true. We have Benedettiville.com where we can post things on uh, the internet. I have been working on a lot of um, illustrations. Yeah. I have been. And look yeah. at what you have right in front of you over there. I believe somebody else has been working on some <laughs> illustrations. Maybe we can get Stella to tell us about the story she's been writing and the pictures like she's been writing. There was a pumpkin, a weird lizard thingy. Yes. The weirdest part about the lizard is, is that it's half grilled cheese sandwich. Which is really cool because then when it opens its mouth, its saliva is like that grilled cheese and it like comes all stringy and it's very rather frightening, I would imagine. I like and that idea a lot. Spider and a mouse. Sounds like a great story. A purple spider and a pink mouse and an orange pumpkin. I'm glad you know the colors of everything. Rather important for your and story. And a blue iguana lizard thingy. With a uh, grilled cheese sandwich mouth. Yeah. Um, well, I do have a poem here, Stella, in uh, conjunction with my wanting to be Roald Dahl and Shel Silverstein and Quentin Blake. Why don't you read it? Yeah. I would love to. You haven't read it, so I hope it's a good one. Yeah, this one actually didn't get tested out at home because I was writing it so late that I finished writing it, printed it, and then here we are. It looks so. like a really short poem. Com- it took you so long to write, though. It's so short. Complete world premiere of my short poem that took a long time to write. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's called... My hair. What? My hair has gotten long. It's covering my eyes and also my whole face, my chest, my waist, and half my thighs. My hair has gotten shaggy. I'd like to get it cut, but when the barbers see me, all their doors and windows shut. My hair has gotten dirty. I'd like to get it cleaned. Shampoo's too weak. I'll have to try some bleach or gasoline. 
My hair has gotten crazy. It's playing out of control. I'm like a Sasquatch mixed with all the hairy bits of troll. My hair is getting tough. It's thicker than a tree. I'll need a chainsaw if I want this hair cut off of me. My hair has gotten heavy. So heavy I can't move. I'm stuck now to my pillows till somehow it gets removed. My hair is quite a problem, but now I have a plan. It's perfect hair to bang around. I'm gonna start a band. You have to add that heavy metal part. <laughs> no. Hey, there's more to your poem. Destroy music's still on. I think the rest of the poem goes like this. Ladies and gentlemen, Stella and I are a heavy metal band. Oh, there's that red light blinking. It's time for a sponsor. It's time for a sponsor. We're going to fade us out and get to a sponsor. And not just like sugar cereal. Oh, you have got to be kidding me. <laughs> I cannot I believe it. All the time. You know what? You know what? Huh. No dinner for Stella tonight. You Are guys you heard serious? it here already. Stella's not going to get dinner tonight. But on my birthday, you're not going to get dinner. <laughs> That's not very fair. Okay. You're back on. You're back in with dinner time. Yay. Um, we're going to. We're going to. Is turned on? It absolutely is. Oh, you my can listen to your headphones because they're not on. Um, Stella, we're going to listen to something. You've never even heard this part. This next part is a brand new part. And uh, the idea for this came in the middle of a sleepless night. I woke up, and all of a sudden I had all these very strange ideas, and I wrote them all down. And it took a little while to actually make them come to life. But this is one that... <laughs> Does it go like this? Happy birthday to you. No. Happy birthday to you. Nope. Happy birthday, Free Range Radio. Um, Happy birthday to nope. you. Doesn't it go like that? Doesn't it go like this? Blue, blue, blah, blah, blah. You know, instead of guessing all the things that it might go like, <laughs> let's just put it on. All right. Here we go. Oh, so like ladies and gentlemen. Here we go. Here we go. 
Ah, uh, Sir Brutus, thanks for coming to my castle. Here's your chain. Now, rest well, for tomorrow we ride to slay that most fearsome of foes, the Hydra of Grim Mountain. My chamber's just across the hall there. Good night. Indeed, friend, indeed. Good night, and until the morrow. Good that my friend Sir Brutus is resting now for old Sir Pershing for himself to get to sleep. You know what? This is a really good one. We're going to start this over again because dear old dad, in his haste today, didn't mix it the way he wanted to. But I have all the power because my computer's right here and I get to do a live mix. So let's do that again without the harpsichord and the flute playing over everything. So pretend you didn't just hear that. Hey everybody! Brainy race, brainy race, brainy race, brainy race. I'm sorry if anything else really important happened. Like if you just had a child that was born during those 10, 15 seconds when we just brainy raised you, that's going to be terrible. And I hope you remember that in some other way. But okay, brainy race only for the radio. I like the idea of brainy race for everything. And then okay. everybody can start over fresh right now. Yeah. And if somebody did just have a baby, imagine how surprised they're going to be when they look up and someone's like, and they're like, why are you giving me that baby? <laughs> They'll be like, it's because it's your baby. He's like, I don't remember ever having it. Actually, everyone's being brain erased, and so people will be like, I don't know. I don't even know why I'm holding this baby. <laughs> why am I giving you this baby? It's my baby. <laughs> Well, sorry to cause so much trouble uh, brain erasing everybody just so that I could play this again without the harpsichord and flutes allowed. But it's really important to me. So uh, let's try that again. And uh, Why do we even brain erase everybody? I don't know. Let's even see if this works. Okay. I'm not even sure if it's going to work. Um, but uh, we brain erased. It so late. I like how you just said, why did we even brain erase everybody? Hmm, no idea. Why did we brain erase everybody? <laughs> Alright, let's see if this works. Ah, Sir Brutus, thanks for coming to my castle. Here's your chamber. Now, rest well, for tomorrow we ride to slay that most fearsome of foes, the Hydra of Grim Mountain. My chamber's just across the hall there. Good night. Indeed, friend, indeed. Good night. And until the morrow. Ah, good that my friend Sir Brutus is resting now. For old Sir Pershing for himself to get to sleep here. Um, excuse me, Sir Pershing. What is it? I feel parched. Might I have a glass of water before I retire? Oh, uh, yes. Um, Let me get it for you from the pitcher there. Ah, thank you, comrade. And now, to bed, for adventure will soon be upon us. Ah, yes, quite, quite. Good night. Good night. What, 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 what? Ah, my brother-in-arms, might I trouble you for a nightlight? A small lamp or a candle? 
My chamber is quite uh, dark. Uh, yes, I'm sure. I'm sure I have one here. Let me find it for you, yes. Ah, my thanks, fellow warrior, my thanks. Uh, Until our quest on the morrow, good night. Good night. What? What now? Ah, my good and stalwart friend. Might you have a teddy bear or some other soft and snugly stuffed creature I might take to my chamber? I'd like to rest well afore we do battle with the dreaded Hydra of Grim Mountain, and to rest well, I doth need to snuggle a teddy bear. It, but really? A teddy bear? Oh, yes. Yes, indeed. Maybe there's one downstairs in the nursery. I... Maybe I... Let me... Go and check. Ah, thank you, Sir Pershing. Thank you. What a wonderful host. Oh, to lay. Tomorrow we head to Otokrima Mountain and we let the verda. Oh, up. Oh, oh, there yeah. it is. Here you go. I, I had to wake up the cook and the cook had to steal this away from her daughter. Ah, thank you, Sir Pershing, for finding this fine and soft teddy bear. I shall now return to my chamber. Good night. Good night. What a bad not again. Sir Pershing, my man, this pillow of mine is most lumpy. I cannot seem to rest upon it. Ah, uh, here, take mine, then. Ah, yes, well, this is lovely. You don't mind? No, I don't mind. Well, fantastic, then, until the dawn, when we ride. Yes, yes, we ride, yeah. Good night. Good night. Oh, no, no, no. Ah, Sir Pershing, you old soldier, you snoring away. It, it, it is night time. Of course I'm sleeping. You said good night like a hundred times. Well, I, I can't seem to sleep without a well-told bedtime story, huh? What do you say, old friend? Can you tell me a story? A story? Really? A story? Yes. Oh, very well. Oh, oh, great. Okay, let me go back to my chamber and I'll get under my covers and snuggle my teddy. You come and read the story. This is rather unbelievable. Oh, my goodness. I wonder what kind of story Sir Pershing is going to tell Sir Brutus. Maybe you'll tell him the story of the boy who was in with the sleep. <laughs> Maybe you will. But uh, we're not going to get to that uh, second part of our little tale here until... We get through some words from our sponsor. Light I've ever seen. Right, I know it takes up like the whole studio here. We go. Captain Hummel. I'm a proud member of the Ash Region Sonoma County chapter. Just recently moved here from the Ash Region Sandusky, Ohio. You may not have heard about my average superpowers out here on the West Coast yet, so I thought I'd take this time to let you know what I can do. Let me demonstrate. <laughs> but what do you think I meant by that? You probably thought about the animal, a seal, the little flippers, balancing a ball on its head, marking their little seal marks, slippery the seal, am I right? Ha! Well, you were wrong. 
I was thinking of steel, as in to steal a container or a jar or a bag to close something. Now, even if you had seen the word seal written down, there's no way you'd know which meaning I meant. Seal and seal are spelled. They even sound but the danger that ominous pose to you normal, mortal, average, superhero, powerless people out there. But not me. If you say or write any homonym, I instantly know which meaning it has. Don't ask me how this power works, because I don't know, and neither do any doctors or scientists that I've been to. Change. Trip. Warp. Death. Jump. Dare. Jam. These tricksy, dangerous words spell the same, sound the same, but what do they mean? Well, I know, and I can tell you, I can save you from the fearful homonyms. My powers also work on homophones, words that are spelled differently, but sound the same. Night, night, minor, minor, heard, a heard. Great, great, profit, profit. You don't know what I'm talking about because you can't see the letters I use to spell those words. But thanks to my incredibly average superpower, I can tell the difference between a whale and a whale, between an ant and an ant. Don't fear, don't fret. Call the Ashbeach of Sonoma County chapter and I'll come to your rescue. Unless I'm on staff at the hospital, I'm also a nurse. But otherwise, I'll beat it. So call the Ash Beacon Sonoma County Chapter now. Average superheroes are scared You're listening to Ben and Will. KPCA FM. Doggy, doggy, doggy. Hey, it's time to uh, find out what kind of story Sir Pershing is going to tell. So let's listen, shall we? Uh, here we go. Uh, are you comfortable? Quite. Good. Good. Mm. Once upon a time, there was a knight. Uh, yes, named Sir Brutus. Yes, and it was he was named Sir Brutus, and he uh, and he had a friend. What? He had a friend named Sir Pershing. That's you. Very well. And Sir Brutus had a friend named Sir Pershing. And they were going to slay the dreaded Hydra of Grim Mountain together. Yeah, and they were going to slay the Hydra of Grim Mountain. Yes, so they packed their supplies and mounted their horses. Uh, But Sir Brutus rides a unicorn (sighs) in this story. Sir Pershing mounted his horse, and Sir Brutus his unicorn. Uh, named Magic. The unicorn is named Magic. Uh, Sir Brutus mounted his unicorn named Magic. And they rode into the countryside off to the Grim Mountain. Oh, this is a very good story, Sir Pershing. They rode all morning, and by the afternoon they had found themselves climbing the trail of doom towards the cavern of death and the home of the dreaded Hydra of Grim Mountain. Then the Hydra burst from its cave, and its ten heads were ablaze in anger and fire-breathing fury. And the warriors did draw their blades and readied their shields, and uh, they... Magic t- the Unicorn is magic. What? what? Uh, magic the Unicorn is magic, and, and she uses magic to turn the Hydra into a bunny. Uh, a bunny. 
Yes, a bunny that becomes Sir Brutus's pet and friend. Oh, oh, truly, Matt, we are about to hear a great rage. Uh, it, it is my bedtime story, Sir Pershing, my good man, uh, <sighs> to remind you. Very well. The unicorn magic cast a spell, and the dreaded Hydra of Grim Mountain turned into a bunny, and it became friends with Sir Brutus, and he kept it forever as a pet. <sighs> And they lived happily ever after. And they lived happily ever after. The end. I'll see you in the morning, my mighty but very peculiar friend. Good night. I am too. We can't go to bed, Stella. We have a show to put on. Um, ladies and gentlemen, we here at Benedettiville have gone a long time without hearing anything from Blue and the Guardians Investigation Squad. But all of that changed last Friday because they happened to be in the right place at the right time. Or should I say the wrong place? No, I should probably say the right place. Anyway, they brought us a very special on-the-scene-as-it-was-happening report. And this is really important for anybody in Petaluma because you need to know what to be aware of. Like, what's happening in your town, people? You know? And for all of Sonoma County. Like, if it happens here, it could happen there, too. So, we bring you this very special report. The Guardian's investigation team. <laughs> It's going to be noisy in the car, but we got a real rare opportunity here because, Emmy, you see what I see? Yep. Smoke. Smoke. There's smoke. A big fire or something is up here. So we can put in the car. We got to get checking it out. All right. We're leaving from the library. We're headed. Emmy, have you ever seen a big cloud of smoke like that before? Gentlemen, I'm 
eight pieces of ice, throw it to five breathing dragon, and that's a good kid. So everybody, for maybe the next week or so, will walk around with 13 pieces of ice in the pocket at least. Um, maybe bring 26 in case your friend will get dead, you know, like, have it. But that's, that's the news. That's the news from uh, the Guardian. All right, be careful out there. Watch out for trolls and five breathing dragons. Sorry that I caught that Yay. microphone uh, engage right mid Stella stream. <laughs> So he's keeping me on my toes here at the engineering board. Um, Stella, did you even know that there was a firebringing yes. dragon attack in Petaluma on Friday? Yay! It wasn't really in the news. You know, I checked all the papers the next day. I knew it. Um, because I'm the smartest girl in the world. Oh, <laughs> well, of course you knew it then. But uh, apparently, even though... Actually, I knew it because I listened to it uh, Friday night. Oh, yeah, that's right. Well, I know that um, Blue is really good about sending all of his reports to all the newspapers around here, but it doesn't look like anybody ran the story. So I'm a little worried that maybe the newspapers of Petaluma and Sonoma County aren't concerned with fire-breathing dragon safety, and I think they um, should be. So I think that... Maybe, uh, maybe citizens. House should be photographed and put in the newspaper. Maybe, ladies and gentlemen, we should have uh, some uh, concerned citizens writing letters to our local papers. And if you want the kind of coverage about fire breathing, dragon safety, and troll safety that's going to keep us all safe, Happy it's going to take it's going to take some serious community grassroots effort. So. Um, that's what I think we should do as a community. It's on, still. It is on. Alright, so we have been talking a lot about creatures, and we just had that whole thing about the fire-breathing dragon. And, uh, I wanted to take this time to remind all of you out there in Radio Land that we loved draw dragons here at Benedettiville. Not only that, okay, this is actually super secret, top secret news, but we have been secretly working for the last year and a half with an amazingly talented artist named Amelia Lorenz to create a book for draw dragon, a picture book. And we are getting so close to having a book. Ladies and gentlemen, we had our first test copy in our hands this weekend, and it is so exciting. Thank you, Amelia, for making awesome art. And to commemorate that, and to commemorate the Guardian's fire-breathing dragon expedition and our bedtime stories for nights, we'd like to play you this song. Well, if it's time to draw and you're not sure what to do, you've got your crayons and markers and some paints and pencils too. And you're looking at that empty page And it's staring back at you Draw a dragon, draw a dragon Not a flower, a house, or a wagon Draw a dragon, draw a dragon 
Pencils and pens galore. Then maybe, oh yes, maybe you could draw me just one more. Oh, one more dragon, draw another dragon with a mustache all droopy and sagging. Draw a dragon, draw a dragon with his big happy tail all the wagon. Just draw a dragon. Going to Mars, flying around the stars with a friend whose name is Lars, smoking big cigars, hanging at the same bar, sipping coffee in a jar, and rush up with the Zard. I, I like drawing. Look, I'm not saying... I have a huge poster of a dragon on the wall right now. I'm not saying that everybody should enjoy drawing dragons. I'm just saying that if you don't know what to draw, that's the thing to draw. That way, you're never in a position where you don't know what to draw or you don't know what to do. That doesn't make any sense. <sighs> makes so much sense. Well, listen to this. If you don't know what to draw, then you should draw a dragon, and then you know what to draw. Right. But, but if you don't draw. know what to draw, draw, then you don't know what to draw, which probably means you don't want to draw a dragon. Look, I think you're making this way more complicated than it has to be. All right? <laughs> That's all I'm trying to say. But if you, if you don't know what to draw, and then you draw a dragon, that means you know I'm what to draw. I'm trying to complicate my well, song. Well, does. Now it's your turn for the interruptions. <laughs> Why don't I turn your mic straight up loud? Yeah, seriously. You should probably. How about if you don't you like would the never story? Let me. Yeah, if you don't like the story, you can just turn the microphone down. Okay. Ladies and gentlemen. Once upon a time, there was at the end. The end. That was still a story. Thanks, Stella. That was a lovely story. Once upon a time, there was a pumpkin who turned into a jack on her and had midnight the end. Longer, better. Once upon a time, there was a flower named 
nervous and a uh, um, mouse yes. named yes. Happy Birthday. Okay. And they went on an adventure and they had some fun. Where'd they go? New friends. Where'd they go on the adventure? They went to the mountains and, and then the desert. And, and then what friend did they make? They made a friend named Wooo The butterfly. The butterfly Wooo I love it when Wooo Wooo Wawa. The end. Great story. All right. Now. That was a lot longer, a lot better one. Much better. Longer and better. All right, ladies and gentlemen, our story today is a to-be-continued story. And I know, the last time I tried a to-be-continued story... I'm presenting the challenge to myself because I want to finish this story, and I'm hoping that the danger of falling into story jail again... Is that you can only... Is what? Is that you can only fall into story jail once, and then... They let you just talk with the Queen of Storytale, and then you get released. Uh, well, I'd like to believe that, but just in case, I think the pressure of Story Jail is going to be on me, and I will finish the To Be Continued part. So, let us begin part one of a new To Be Continued story called Them. Yeah. All right, here we go. This is how it begins. All right, scenario 57. They come in the middle of the night. The perimeter alarms don't go off. They avoid the house booby traps. You forgot to set the hallway tripwires, and you slip through your room alarm. What do you do, girl? Yep, it was another typical breakfast. Another typical breakfast table conversation between Josie and her uncle. She put a spoonful of cereal into her mouth, chewed. Her face puckered up in disgust, and she spat the soggy honey o's onto the table. Huh? The uncle cried, they got you, poison in the cereal. That's how they got Aunt Helga. You know, only for her it was porridge, but be glad it was just a tablespoon of salt and not snake's venom or some terrible acid that would sizzle you from the inside. Typical breakfast. Josie was no longer hungry. She pushed the tainted bowl away from her and stood up. I'm going to be late for school, Uncle, she said, and she shouldered her sizable backpack. Wait, 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 scenario 57, what do you do? Her uncle cried as he pushed his chair back and came to his feet. Six and a half feet of gangly, wiry, frantic energy. Uh, Scenario 57 is an impossibility, she said as she checked her backpack for her homework and books. The perimeter alarms are all working. We check them every day. Maybe they'd miss the booby traps, but I set the hallway tripwires every night while I brush my teeth, and I know you triple-check them before you go to bed. My room alarm is louder than ten ambulance sirens, and we test it every Wednesday. It could never happen, Uncle. She grabbed her lunch, folded neatly into a paper bag. But what if it did happen? He asked, his eyes dancing in the frenzy of excitement and worry and paranoia and intensity that seemed to be his resting state. She sighed. <sighs> okay, if the impossible happened, then I'd push the emergency buzzer by the bed light. The strobe lights would distract them long enough for me to grab the emergency bag and fall into the escape chute under the bed. Yes, he cried. And then? She was on her way out the door. And then it's basic tunnel escape protocol. If they had confused, get to the safe house and wait. She called over her shoulder as she walked down the gravel driveway. Very good. Have a good day at school. She heard faintly as she rounded the bend by the oak tree and started the long walk to the bus stop. Secrets, escapes, tunnels, alarms. 
She sagged under the weight of her backpack, the extra survival kit that was sewn into the hidden bottom compartment, the radio transmitter, the utility knife, and, of course, all the books and binders and papers needed for the average fourth-grade curriculum. She knew that other kids didn't have to deal with these things. She also knew, rule number one, that she could never, ever, ever mention these things to anyone for any reason, ever. It had been this way ever since she could remember. It's a strange thing to go to school when your entire mission is to be not noticed. But it was all part of her training. Being unnoticed is a skill that you can develop like any other, and her uncle told her that school was the ideal place to train. Josie was unnoticed at school. It was March, and she had been in the fourth grade at Pleasant Valley Elementary for seven months now. She changed schools every year, and no one in her class could seem to remember her name. She was rarely, if ever, called on for anything. She kept to herself at recess and lunch and found ways to blend in with backgrounds. She would hover on the outside of a group. She wore neutral colors and plain, ordinary clothes. She raised her hand to answer only the most basic of questions. Her work was always good, but never good enough to be recognized or made a fuss over. She didn't have any friends. This was the way it had been her entire life. She couldn't help but be lonely, but she took her uncle and her training very seriously. She knew that no other fourth grader got up for early morning exercises and combat training, followed by hours and hours of tactics and escapes and plans and schemes after school. No other fourth grader would get woken up in the middle of the night for an emergency test scenario. It was because of them. The them and the they of her training. They were everywhere and nowhere. Everyone and no one. For reasons that her uncle was amazingly skilled at keeping to himself, they were after Josie, and would stop at nothing to get her. Her life existed as a constant battle to stay one step ahead of them. The only people she could be sure weren't them were herself and her uncle. And so she was lonely, and so she went unnoticed, and so went another day in the fourth grade at Pleasant Valley Elementary School. Josie got off the bus at the busiest downtown bus stop in a crowd of other kids. She wove one of her many practiced, confusing, looping paths all through the downtown. When she was sure she wasn't being followed, she quickly changed into a big blue hoodie, put on extra tall shoes, and started her long walk home. The house was a few miles outside of town. Their driveway was a long, winding dirt path that led to a small country road that led to a small road that led back to a very small town itself. There was no mailbox, no address. There was no reason for anyone to ever go there if they were not Josie or her uncle. Should anyone happen to come within a two-mile radius of the house, the sensors and the alarms that were in place would alert those that were in the house. Should anyone be coming up the driveway, there were alarms aplenty and telescopes and binoculars set and trained to spy on whosoever might be trying to approach. For these reasons, Josie was very much surprised and not a little concerned when she heard a very loud knocking on the door. Josie had been home for about 30 minutes and was just about to bite into a toast and cheese snack. It was a Tuesday. Her uncle was out and would return just before dinner according to their rigid weekly schedule. The knock was terrifying and confusing. 
She had checked all the wires and alarms when she had walked in 30 minutes ago. The knock came again. No alarms had gone off. This was a clear scenario 23. Intruders outside, all alarms bypassed, daytime, no uncle home. The years and hours and drills and practice routines had been effective. She steadied her nerves, took a deep breath, and began to go through the steps of scenario 23. She turned the postcard on the refrigerator, skewed to the left the sign to her uncle that Scenario 23 had occurred. She grabbed her backpack and made her way upstairs to her room. She took the emergency pack from her closet, stuffed it into the backpack, and went to the window. Their windows were all one-way glass. Looking out was like a window, but all that could be seen from outside was a cool, reflective mirror. From her side, Josie saw four large black cars, many men and women in black suits, some in body armor, some holding weapons, all moving about the house in a very orderly and organized fashion. They. The they and the them of all of her drills, all of the scenarios, all of the emergency drills in the dead of night in the middle of homework right after breakfast, always to escape from a them that she had never seen. Until now. They were here in her yard, and Scenario 23 was as real as the sweat on her palms and her forehead. Again, she reviewed her drills, her focusing techniques, deep breaths, even breaths, focus on now and on what to do next. She pulled the cord of the blinds. It did nothing to the blinds, but what it did was relay that tug down to the cables that she and her uncle had dug and laid out into the forest around the house. It triggered a latch in the oak forest at the base of the hill leading east towards down, towards town, and a bird was flushed from the sound. Branches rustled. The cables relayed to the latch further east, paced at about the pace that a ten-year-old would run if frightened and trying to escape. There was another rustle. The forest seemed alive, rushing east. Orders were shouted in the driveway. The people in black mobilized. The ones with weapons and armor and special suits stormed into the field in pursuit as the cable relayed a zigzagging trail always to the east, always towards town. They had left footprints and torn bits of thread and garments just two days ago along the cable route. There would be signs of a fourth-grade girl escaping on foot, and they would be subtle, realistic, but obvious to trained eyes. Josie watched as all but four of the black-clad figures scattered off into the brush. Why hadn't the alarms worked? How had they gotten to the house undetected? She refocused. She looked, remembered, counted cars, memorized license plates, and buried the questions until she'd be able to take the time to really think on them. There were still two important steps in Scenario 23, and she could hear the sounds of splintering wood and shattering glass as the downstairs door and windows were battered open. She would have to move quickly. Uncle always timed the scenario maneuvers. She was hoping the booby traps inside the house would help her to buy some time, but she knew she'd have to move quick. She stepped into her closet, closed and locked the door behind her. Once in the closet, she moved three of the coat hangers in the combination pattern left, left, right, middle, right. A panel in the wall behind the clothes opened. She slipped inside. There were two things in the small panel, a rope and a large red button. She took a deep breath, swung herself onto the rope. A trapdoor swung open beneath her feet, and the panel to the closet closed shut with a snap. Cool air rushed up from the darkness below her. It led to the tunnel complex, a place where she had spent many, many hours. Hours marching about, memorizing the maze with a candle, with a flashlight, and in the complete darkness. 
uncle had been very emphatic that she know the tunnels by touch, smell, and feel. She didn't mind the tunnels. She looked at the button. The smashing sounds from downstairs were gone, followed by the sound of heavy footsteps through the house. There was the occasional, occasional cry and crash and shout as the house booby traps did their work to stall and confuse. She wondered who had triggered the rain of bowling balls traps that she had built and took some satisfaction that some part of them was going to have a serious headache or maybe a broken toe or two for their troubles. Then she pushed the button and let herself slide down the rope. The timer was a three-second timer, just enough time to get to the tunnel floor and race behind the metal barrier door. She counted methodically to herself as she slid down the rope, her hands only barely burned through their tough calluses. Three, she hit the ground. Two, sprinted down the tunnel, diving forward, feeling the air knock from her lungs and the dirt and dust fly into her hair, shoes, and shirt. One, and then the end of the world. The metal barrier door crashed behind her like a guillotine, and the earth shook. The world erupted. She and her uncle had planted the explosive charges together. Plenty in and around the house, and more at the entrances to the tunnels. The explosives were all placed along the gas line so as to offer the fire department some kind of explanation. An explanation as to why a house out in the middle of the country, without a recorded address with the city register and without any known residence, had blown up, burned, and destroyed itself so completely as to leave no trace, no evidence, no clue as to who may have lived there. Josie sat up and dusted herself off. If she crouched a bit, the tunnel was just big enough. She pulled her flashlight from her bag, fresh batteries every Sunday. The tunnel between her and the house, between her and them, should be only so much pulverized dirt and rock now. She turned west and set off at a moderate jog. She knew she could keep this pace for an hour with her pack fully loaded. She knew the tunnels and she knew the evasive, confusing route that she would take. She couldn't count the number of times she had performed these very same actions. But now, instead of coming up irritated and tired and dirty and going home to one of Uncle's homemade pizzas or slow-cooked beef rib specialties, she was alone. And her home was only ashes and splinters. Everything she was, she carried on her back. She jogged and crouched and thought to herself that she was a very sad and lonely turtle. so many questions, and we're only going to bring up more questions as we go. This is a very mysterious story. Are you going to tell us any of the um, questions? I think, I think everyone will, everything will be answered in the story as it goes, but I can't say anything right now because it's to be continued. And, oh no, there's that flashing light again. We have one more sponsor. Let's get this last sponsor in there. Um, let's see how we can get this sponsor in there. Oh, looks like it's something about to... Hey there, Geraldine. Oh, oh my goodness, Harold, let's see. 
yeah, what about my teeth? Well, they're I think there's moss growing on that one. And the salad you had for lunch last week is still picking the that one over there. Wow, come Huh. You know, I never really noticed this before, but now you mention it, my teeth do seem to be covered in years and years with the food and sugar and other gross things that have started growing. Oh, what? You can your teeth, you know, with a toothbrush and toothpaste, scrub around, and brush your teeth. I have never heard of such a thing before. It sounds very strange and very terrifying. Strange, terrifying, perhaps, but not as terrifying as having moss growing out of your filthy food-encrusted mouth. Hi, I'm Toothbrush. You might not like me. You might be afraid of me. You might think that I'm a terrible and annoying part of your evening and or morning, but I'm not. I just want to be your friend. Oh, and brush your filthy teeth. There are only just those two things that I want. Fresh smelling day, this is turning out to be. I love that so much. Who are the sponsors? Do you remember the sponsors? Toothbrush. We also had. We had one. And one more. Dinner time. I recorded dinner time. Yeah. Or at least I helped. Yeah. And I'd also like to thank Jared and John and Rob and everyone here at KPCS for putting everything together. I'd like to thank Stella Jean for coming in and doing the radio show with me. Thanks, Stella. I'd like to thank Emmy for staying home. She was a trooper. She wanted to come, but it just wasn't the right day. So, next time, Emmy, let's come next time. You always say next time, but then I'm the one that's going. Hey, I said it on the radio. I said it on the radio. And we have it to be continued story. Alright, thanks everybody. We will see Just you next time. Make sure it is actually to be continued. Have a lovely, lovely week, and we'll see you next time. 